really like the people who can really master short short form storytelling are, are the people who make it. Neil Gaiman lives by that. For every American God you got, you got four, you know, of his short story little books. He believes that telling short stories are so important to be able to tell those big stories right. For many of us, as a kid, thumbing through a comic book could transport us to other worlds. Flying through the universe at the speed of light. Watching immortal enemies battling to the death. And some of us never grew out of it. Welcome to the Under the Mask podcast, where we discuss the super process behind superheroes. Not just superheroes, aliens, horror, thrillers. If you can find it on a comics page, you can find it here. Here, you'll learn how to make comics from the initial outlines, scripts, and artwork to printing and putting the final book in a bag and board. For many years, Bill Colomb has written his book, Kinetic, and sold thousands of copies across the nation. And now we're inviting you along for an inside look to the comics process. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you're in the right place. This is the Under the Mask Podcast, and this is Bill Colomb. Under the Mask Podcast, episode 18. You know, a lot of creators have approached me wanting to publish their 200-plus issue magnum opus. But today, I'm talking with the creator about the benefits of writing and publishing on a smaller scale. My guest today is the writer and creator of several short comic stories, as well as the crime thriller Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies. His latest book, Voodoo Nations, is live on Kickstarter through August 6th. Check it out on Kickstarter or just visit www.voodoonations.com. I'd like to introduce Travis Gibb. Hey, Travis, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. Hey, no problem, Bill. I'd love to chat with you. So first question I have, uh, who are you? Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to be here today? Uh, yeah, so I am uh, Travis Gibb. I'm a comic creator. I've been doing it for since about 2002, 2003. I took a 10-year hiatus to raise a child, but uh, I'm back. And uh, basically what I do is I primarily am known for crime. You know, I write a lot of crime comics, but uh, I've, in this last little season, I've written all sorts of various things from crime to uh, I've got a Wizard of Oz thing coming out, uh, Cthulhu Invades Oz, and then I've got the Voodoo Nation, so all sorts of things. And I was going to say, being most well-known for crime, uh, probably your most well-known work is the crime thriller Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies. Tell us a little bit about that series. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies is about is two guys who broke down on the side of the road. Lots of guns, lots of violence, lots of F-words. Um, basically, it's like a Quentin Tarantino movie. My inspiration from it was, for anybody who loves crime, is Stray Bullets. So at the end of the issue one of Stray Bullets, we see a uh, car broke down on the side of the road with a bunch of dead bodies in it and uh, we notice somebody walks away from it. But I had the idea of what if we had to actually delve into that deeper of like someone who got broke down, they were stuck with the car, they needed to dispose of the bodies. What would that look like? And that was the inspiration of the comic. 
and broke down in four dead bodies along with your new uh, anthology series parallels uh, kind of a uh, compilation of different anthology stories you've written over the last few years those are published through orange cone productions uh, what made you set up orange cone productions yeah so my goal is not to be a publisher uh, i don't have big dreams of being a publishing house or anything like that but i wanted an umbrella where I could make my own stuff, send it out and do it. So Orange Cone Productions was kind of a necessity. So I, I made a publishing company to be able to do that, to self-publish. You know, my goal is to, to sell off my works to a scout or a source point or an image or, or something like that. But for now, I put things under there. But a lot of people come to me, hey, we love the way you promote. We'd love for you to, to be under your umbrella. But that's not really what Orange Cone is about. It's about my properties that I own, you know, sharing it out. You know, a parallels is kind of just, you know, all my anthologies that I put together and broke down as my main title uh, with Voodoo Nations being, you know, the third to join the line. Is there any significance behind Orange Cone? Uh, yes. So what, uh, when I was a kid, I really got fascinated. And I uh, had to write like uh, an essay about something and I was looking out the window in Orange and I saw an Orange Cone and I uh, really got fascinated by it of how the power of a cone, right? If you put an Orange Cone there, it could be either something magical, awesome is going to happen, or it's a warning that something bad could happen. Like it, it's so um, nondescript of what it could be. So that's, that's why I kind of named it that. So, hey, take notice. We're doing stuff. Whether it's going to be bad or good, time will tell you. But something is something new is being put here. Uh, something prepared. So that's where I came up with the Orange Cone production. Uh, we're really here to talk about your new series that's live on Kickstarter right now. That series is Voodoo Nations. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I love talking about Broke Down. So if we want to get back to that, no problem. Uh, it's, it's my favorite. I'm excited to finish it up. But yeah, Voodoo Nations is the new hotness, as they would say. Just went live on Kickstarter yesterday. We're almost at 50%. Not quite there. What Buddha Nations is about is about two missionaries that decide to go to Brazil to uh, deal with a crisis. There was a big flood. This is a real flood that happened. They try to try to deal with that. They try to help the community and they go into a territory of a voodoo priest and that voodoo priest uh, starts a war with them. That war turns their world upside down, which brings it to a world-treading adventure. So we start out in Brazil, but we're going to end up in New Orleans. We're going to go to um, Mexico, and then we're going to come back to Brazil for issue four. So it's a four-issue mini self-contained story, but it's it's a lot of fun. It's very, very different than the Broke Down vibe. Broke Down, you get a lot of action, you get a lot of swearing, you get a lot of great dialogue. This is more uh, subtle. It's a little more, uh, this is like Loki, less Negan, you know? <laughs> they both do amazing things. They're both great villains, but they both have different ways of going about it. What was the initial inspiration behind Voodoo Nations? So it's really interesting. So a gentleman came up to me and I wanted to hire me as a writer and gave me his concept for a voodoo story. And I wrote a story out which used his concept, uh, but I had some of my own ideas and the guy hated it. The guy absolutely hated it. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But the story stuck with me. And then I retooled it, took out all of his ideas and put my own and showed him. And I was like, hey, um, I'd really like to show this to somebody. Is that okay? And he's like, yeah, man, like I, I didn't give you any money for it. You know, no big deal. Um, and I showed it to Luke Stone, the writer, uh, the artist, right at the beginning of COVID. And he was just like, oh my God, I need to write, write this story. I need to, I, I need to draw the story. Um, and that's how it came about, you know, is trying to get it. I am also a missionary. 
I am uh, also a pastor, so I've heard a lot of stories about it. But I really more, it's not really about uh, voodoo or really Christianity. It's about the the conflicts of going into someone else's territory and trying to tell someone how to live, right? And what the results of that. Obviously, we're dealing with it in a very supernatural level on here, but but these are the repercussions that missionaries happen all the day because they put, you know, Western culture against Eastern culture on a regular basis. And that's kind of what it is, a culture clash in dealing with that. One of the coolest things about the villain whose name is Bishop Lucas is in the first issue, like you could argumentatively say, you know, he did something wrong, but he doesn't do anything evil. But you can tell he did a lot of evil, which I which I think is a good villain. And speaking about Luke Stone helping you on the artwork, we all know no comic is made in a bubble. How did you hook up with Luke Stone as the artist? So uh, Luke Stone, uh, I had helped him. So he was on issue five of Hybrids, which is his comic book. And I noticed that he was struggling to to really, really produce big numbers on Kickstarter. He was doing great on Indiegogo, but he was struggling. Um, and a, a lot of people who know me in the community, in the indie community, knows I'm super helpful. Like if someone asks me a question or someone wants you know some advice on how I do Kickstarter, I don't pretend to know it all, but I can, I can help them. So I kind of started coaching coaching and working with Luke, Luke Stone and making a friendship. And through that, we decided to uh, do a book together. Um, you know, I loved his art for hybrids. I love his art increase. It keeps, keeps getting better and better and better. So he really wanted to take on this project. He wanted to do something that wasn't superheroes. He wanted to kind of break away from Starcross. This is when he was breaking away from his, the company that he's with Starcross to kind of going on on his own. Um, and this kind of just fell in the right time with uh, COVID that he had the time to do it. So that's how we met up and we started putting it together. He sketched out the first character right there, uh, the villain, and uh, we just finished issue one and ready to produce. Is there anything else you want us to know about Voodoo Nations that maybe we haven't gone over so far? I think the biggest thing to know is um, get excited about it. And I, I'm not just saying that because of I'm writing it or because you may like my other work. I, this is some very personal and deep stuff. These are a lot of my battles. Every issue is a very, very personal battle. So I think you're going to get a little bit more of me. Where in, um, in Broke Down and 40 but it's just fun. Um, I love crime. I want to tell a funny story. I want to tell an interactive story. Um, yes, there's some personal and, and intimate moments, uh, but really, I want to make you laugh and I want to make you entertained. Where Voodoo Nation, I really want you to think. You know, the first issue is very, very tight in script. We've had some of the best. Uh, we hired a scout editor, uh, Ontario Maldonado. He's also known for The Shepherd uh, as a writer, but he does a lot of scout editing. So we brought him on to really make sure the theology of the book was right um, and make sure that we're, we're dotting all our T's and crossing all our eyes. Yes, I said that right. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be very unique. But if you like supernatural stories, if you like horror stories, I think you're going to really, really enjoy it and really be enthralled. The other thing I want to say is a lot of people get confused because uh, Luke Stone's a pastor and I'm known for Christian stuff. I know anybody who re- knows uh, Broke Down in 40 Bodies knows that I will say or do whatever I want. So that's not connected to that. But yes, this is a story set in a Christian universe, but so isn't The Exorcist. So don't worry about it. When you introduce religion into the mix, it almost seems like there is a group that comes out of the woodwork and that will automatically almost denounce it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I've had tons of conversations. I've had people call me uh, who are very passionate about voodoo and says that, you know, you really got to do it right. Did you do your research? Did you do the stuff? And there's a reason why it's set in Brazil and 
about Haiti. Uh, if you don't know, Haiti voodoo is like a completely different element. Like it's crazy, the history behind it and all that. And I really didn't want to get involved in that. And I don't want to offend anybody. My goal is not to offend anybody. My goal is to amuse you. You know, voodoo has been used as villains for since the dawn of time. You know, it's okay that they're villain. Um, you know, so we're trying to tell that story. But I'm also going to show voodoo in a good light too. It's going to be good and bad. It's it's fiction. It's fun. You'll enjoy it. You don't need to, you're, I'm not going to be preachy to you. It's not a, the word religion is a tone and thread to the book. It's not a religious book. How much research went into Voodoo Nations? A lot. And believe it or not, I've actually been researching Voodoo for a long time. When I was in film school, um, I got paid $500 to write a script about Voodoo. I didn't know anything about it. And I studied it and, you know, learned that it's really called Voodum and blah, blah, blah. And I wrote it. Nothing ever happened with that script. But I've been studying, I studied it for a long time. So I knew a lot. And then as I've gone gone out and grow, grew older, you know, I've learned about the Haitian Voodoo and some of the stuff. Because Christian, you may not know this, but in Haiti, uh, there is Christians who actually practice Voodoo because they, they don't see that there's a difference. Like both of them coincide. So it's super interesting of that in studying it. But this is well-researched on everything, even the religious parts. Like I use Ash Wednesday as a theme for issue one, if you know what Ash Wednesday is. Uh, for those who are religious, basically it's when you put ash on your forehead. It symbolizes a whole bunch of stuff um, that is way too much to get into right now. But I even researched that because that's not part of my practicing, but part of uh, the story. Because I'm, I'm here to tell a good story, not necessarily to preach to people. So, Travis, uh, you've got a broke down in four dead bodies. It's still going on strong. Now yep. you're leading up with Voodoo Nations. I'm sure you have some other anthology stuff in the works. What does the future hold for you? Oh, my goodness. So uh, the minute Voodoo Nations is funded and done and shipped out, uh, we're going to continue to work on Broke Down 4. That'll probably take for the rest of the year to finish. Um, we're about 10 or 12 pages in. You know, uh, it's a double size issue because it's the final of the first arc. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be about 35 to 40 pages. It's going to be pretty big. But uh, the biggest thing that I've got going on is I've grabbed a lot of my friends in the comic industry and we created a book called Cthulhu Invades Oz. So a lot of people have been talking about it, a lot of people have been sharing it. I'm super proud of it. So we've got everyone from Chuck Pino, Kyron Silver, Brian Silverback, Richard Rivera. Uh, who else do we've got? Uh, Jonathan Hendricks, uh, David Galeotti. So we've got basically uh, Kurt, Bo Kurt Belcher, like basically the best of all my friends in Scout, all my friends in Source Point press and a couple of mad cave people all thrown together to do this cool thing called Cthulhu Invades Oz. And basically we take every creator will take a character and show what happens when when Cthulhu invades Oz. Just from following your career from the little bit that I have been, uh, you always seem to be busy. You've, you've always got something else coming on. And that's yeah. very important for a comic creator. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I, I'm serious about this. And I'm not saying that other people aren't serious about this, but if there's a writing opportunity that I think I can be a good fit in, I'm going to take it because I want to do this. I want to be, I want to be the best at this. I love it when a fellow comic creator takes my book and says, Hey man, this didn't work. Let's talk about it. I really want to be the best of this craft I can. I take this very seriously. I really want to go to the next level. It's not just to tell and entertain. It's, it's, I want to be part of this industry and I want to do the best I can to be, to go to the next level and whatever I can and whoever I can bring with me, I, I want to do it. So yeah, even with those things, I've got two other books that are in uh, the drawing stages right now. One's called Islands and one's called Sacrificial Lambs. Uh, one's a vampire story and one's a, a, like a fantasy sci-fi story. Um, so it's it's really interesting trying to juggle all these projects and building a fan base at the same time, you know, because it's really hard in this day and age to keep a fan base interested. You know, we have a, I have a friend of mine who just, who took a year off. He had a bad breakup 
didn't come back to Kickstarter or anything. And I've seen his numbers. He used to get 200 backers, you know, $7,000. And he's dropping just by disappearing for a year. So you've got to keep doing this stuff. You've got to be active. You've got to be producing. And it sucks and it's difficult. And I think that's why a lot of people have podcasts and these things just because the development process takes a while. It takes about a, takes me about six months or so to produce a book, you know? Yeah. And that's actually a concern of mine. Uh, going in in November, I funded uh, Kinetic Volume 1. That was a uh, compilation of the first eight issues. Yeah, and now it. we're going into July. I'm just starting to get Volume 2, the first issue of Volume 2, ready to go on Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, but in the back of my mind, I'm just thinking, all right, is the is the fan base going to still be there for me? Yes. And especially, um, I've, I've noticed that a lot of people get a trade out. Now people are, they trust you that you're going to get to the trade. So they'll just wait. So you've got that extra thing, right? You got these, these things of people who are waiting for the trade. And for us indie guys, we're, we're an issue by issue thing. We need to, we need to be able to pay our guy to do the nexus and do the nexus so we can get you the trade. It's really hard. It's not like a Marvel and DC. Yeah. And that's one thing that I noticed uh, and I'm sure that you've noticed it as you have more and more books at your table when you go do conventions or when, when you have them on your website. Um, I noticed about when I had issue five, issue four, issue five, that was when I started to notice a big upswing in the sales that I did. Yeah, it's, it's a trust game. It absolutely is. And it's especially when you meet someone at a convention, right? You may never be able to find that book again. So people who want to buy it, like want to buy as many as they can. And, you know, I've always, I've always said to creators, you know, issue three is going to help really help your issue two sales. <laughs> issue two is really going to help your one sale. Issue four is going to help your issue three sales. Like it's always helping the one before, you know, but obviously, you know, when you go to cons, you know, you sell a hundred issue ones and then 50 issue twos and so on and so on and so on. But it's building that trust that you're going to be there and that people are interested in your story because you haven't given up. Yeah. And then what I think helped me a lot was when I had the eight issues and it was the full set and the full series and I just started bundling them all together and I'd say okay you can get the one issue if you want but you get a nice price break buying them all yeah absolutely that helps out a lot you know and that's what it's all about is building a table and building trust people people really look at people who finish stuff you know that's my goal in 2021 I have a lot of stuff as you pointed out I have a lot of stuff out there but not a lot of stuff finished so I'm going to be a finisher there's going to be a lot of stuff my goal is to have three finished products by the end of 2021 uh, I want to have broke down finished I will have broke down finished want to have Voodoo Nations finished because Luke is actually very fast when it comes to art. Um, we'll have Cthulhu Invades Oz and believe it or not, for those listening, Dog Days is people are working on it. So maybe we'll have that finished. You're listening to the Under the Mask podcast with Bill Colomb. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Imagine you're developing superpowers, but your city already has a hero. That hero's kind of a jerk, he doesn't really care, and you think you can do a better job. Thank you for listening to the Under the Mask podcast. I'm your host, Bill Colomb, and when I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm also the writer of my very own superhero comic, Kinetic. Kinetic is an action-packed coming-of-age story with great art and, if I don't say so myself, a great story. But don't take my word for it. Go check Kinetic out free. All you have to do is go to ycomics.net slash free. That's ycomics.net slash free. And speaking of dog days, I know that was a... uh, Do we have to? 
Yeah. Well, I, I'm just using I'm just using that as a segue into my. We're next. good. <laughs> we can talk about it. Uh, so, Travis, I wanted to ask you, what have been the biggest obstacles and challenges that you've had to overcome? Yeah, the biggest obstacles have been, um, you know, a couple of false starts. You know, I've uh, I've been part of uh, Dog Days is one of them that we're just talking about. So, Dog Days is a book that I produced with another publishing company. I gave him a script. I gave him a full 130 page script, uh, and it's uh, now three years. Uh, it hasn't been produced and it, and it made me struggle and I, I don't have as many backers as I would have otherwise you know, because of that. The second thing that has been a, a thing is just producing, you know, um, especially when we have COVID and we can't get cons. The reason why Parallels 1 and 2 came out on Kickstarter was to get, rain some money to, to help produce the next issue to get you issue four. You know, because my Kickstarter doesn't uh, pay for production normally. It normally just pays to, you know, break, to semi-break even and get some copies so I can hustle and, and get, get the books out. So those are my biggest struggles with it um, and getting that. And then me being passionate about it. I've uh, gotten heated arguments with uh, fellow creators online. I've been known for that because I, I really care about this stuff. Um, and it was really interesting. Uh, big guys like Charlie Sidney and David Byrne. Uh, David Byrne just got, both of them are co-publishers of Scout right now. I got in an argument with a fellow creator online because uh, he had said some really nasty things to me and I called him out. You know, they messaged me and they were like, hey man, like you are well known in this little group. I don't even know that guy's name. Why are you uttering his voice, his stuff? And that really meant a lot to me showing that like I'm at that this level where I've got to do stuff. My passion sometimes overflows because I'm a passionate guy and I, I fight for justice. So if someone is doing injustice wrong, I, I'm going to fight for that. But really, I got to just fight my own fights, do my own book and, and gain fans. You know, and people like that I'm vocal and that I'm real, but it could also backfire on you too. So those are probably my biggest struggles is getting in my own way. Yeah, that's one thing that I told you a little while ago uh, when you were having, I forget the guy, I don't even remember the guy's name, but you were having a little uh, Facebook beef with him. Yeah. And man, at the end of the day, your video had 350 views, I think, and his had like 75. And I'm sure there's some overlap, but even if those were all individual people, it's like, man, that's like less than 500 people. And you know, it's not my first one. It's just just who I am. I'm a, I'm a man who fights for injustice. I, I, I fight for, for people who do people wrong. But I'm learning that though there are like Donny Cates, Donny Cates fights with people on the internet all the time. Either Van Skyrim fires them. But those aren't me. Like I need to like earn my keep before I can, you know, fight fights. And if I'm going to fight fights, fight people who are on your level, right? Don't, uh, you know, if you're WWE, don't go fighting the guys who are doing the backyard wrestling, right? <laughs> what do you think has been the biggest mistake that you've made in your creative career? The biggest mistake was um, Dog Days. It really was. And it's not that I'm, I'm not proud of it. So Dog Days is a concept that I didn't create. It was given to me from the publisher. Uh, he asked me to write the script. And I was so excited to get a, a trade on my shelf that I didn't care. Um, so I went in it with no contract, no anything. And now I have no repercussions. I have people who invested me $6,000 to get this book out who trusted me. And I can't give them anything. And production is completely on the other man. I can't even take the story and go, you're screwing people over. I'm going to do it myself because it's not my property. I, I have no ownership. So that's the big thing is contracts and making sure that everybody's on the same page of production and on your same level of you know commitment to get the project done. There's a priority list and I'm closer to the bottom. <laughs> 
So it's really finding people who really want your stuff. And the other thing that I think is a big deal is we, a lot of our indie guys are so worried about being published by someone else that we don't care about the product that we're putting out. We're just like, well, this is just something, quality. You know, my first, uh, when I broke down number one, I didn't ship it out properly and I had a lot of returns that I had to send back. I don't think I lost a lot of backers, but I was embarrassed because I sent posters that were kind of ripped and things like that. Just taking care of your stuff and I get it all the time. If your Kickstarter comes back to me and it is not well taken care of, you don't care about your product and I'm probably not going to say anything to you, but I'm probably never going to back you regardless of how good the comic was. Yeah, no, and that's one thing that you do really well is you, because you care, you also care about on the back end, you know, after a Kickstarter is funded about actually fulfilling it well. Right, (laughs) yeah. Uh, I am always posting on my updates, hey, did you get your book? How was your book? If your quality, if you have any issues, you want it signed, any of that stuff. I want to build these relationships. Uh, I want to build them much time because fulfillment is just as important. The last parallels, I fulfilled within uh, three, weeks of the Kickstarter finishing. Uh, luckily, I because I've done so many books, my printer will print before I get the money. So as long as they know I got it coming from Kickstarter, they'll print it. So I get it out to them. I get the books and I get it shipped out uh, before stuff. I got everything shipped out in three weeks, which is crazy. So everybody got their books. Everybody was super happy. And I, I plan on con- continuing with that with Voodoo Nations and Broke Down 4 is getting these books out to you as quickly as possible because I really want you to get your book, what you paid for, as quickly as possible, especially with stuff because I've only produced a book a year even though like it feels like I didn't right I'm sure you're the same way Bill where you're like you look at it you're like did it take a year to put that book out because it does you know six months production then six then two months to do the Kickstarter really you know and then two months for fulfillment before you can even get to the next one so it's crazy sometimes that you look at it your whole year's up and it's one book and you're like how did Marvel and DC do this monthly yeah no with uh, with me what I try to do is I try to have like a little backlog before that issue one even goes up like right now we're working on I'm trying to finish up issue two right. just because it, it's so tough doing it I have no idea how Marvel and DC do it monthly other than having you know six months worth of backlog that they're like okay we have it finished they're just waiting on it to go yeah yeah, yeah. I have an interesting my artist is interesting too because he for broke down um, what he'll do Felix he'll he'll give me like one page a week guaranteed and then randomly he'll give me five so it's like one 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 five one 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 five so you never know I, I can't always predict how fast it, and I don't ever pressure him for deadlines except for like, this needs to be done within three months or four months. So I don't push it. So those things get a little tough. But the next one I'm working on, so after Broke Down Ends, there's Broke Down Four Dead Bodies and there's Broke Down and Tapped Out. That has already started layouts right now. So that's going to be deep into production before uh, it may be finished before Broke Down Four and just be sitting there. Well, we talked about your biggest mistake, but Travis, I want you to close your eyes real quick. Think back on your writing career so far. What has been the best moment in your creative career so far? Hmm, right. I, I think my first, my biggest, my biggest uh, achievement is this last Kickstarter for Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies. I had three backers at $250 that each wanted to put themselves in the I've never met them, but they're fans that I've gathered from issue one. So that means that they're invested in this series and they want to be put in the book. And that was the biggest charge of the book that, I, that I've ever really had. Um, that was that would probably be my biggest. The second one is um, there's been a couple of publishers who've reached out to me and just said, hey, uh, you know, we're, it's a little vulgar or this and that, but we really love this story. You know, we really love it. We don't have a fit for crime. But, but saying that this, there's nothing 
nothing wrong with the story. It's just not a fit for their publisher. Those, those matter a lot to me when they're like, dude, you, you'll find somebody just, this is not the books that we publish. It wouldn't do well here. Go somewhere else, you know? Yeah, I love it um, when, I, I think I've already said it here, but I love it when someone tears myself apart. I really do. Chuck uh, Pino uh, and I, we, we grab each other's book and we tear them apart every issue. Same thing with David Galliano does Savage Bastards over at Mad Cave. We take our books and we rip them apart because we really want to be good at this and we really want to get the story elements. We're like, this is good, but it could have been better. And it's never about, I would have written it this way. It's more of a this, you missed a beat and you could have got better fans. You could have a better reaction by just reorganizing these things. Yeah, I think fiction is a lot like a jigsaw puzzle in that, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out the best way to word it. I don't want to say there's a right and a wrong way to do it, but there's there are pieces that fit the way they fit for a reason. Um, a book that really helped me understand that was uh, like everybody Everybody says this for screenwriting, but Blake Snyder saved the cat. Yeah. I feel bad because it feels almost like a formula. Yeah. Um, and you know, especially when you're reading comics, you know, uh, Chuck Dixon taught me, uh, you know, in a, a letter page once, you know, every five pages you need some sort of action. You got to push the story forward. If you're not pushing the story forward, they're not going to turn the page. Those things really stuck to me. And that's what we do to each other. We're like, hey, this is good, but this dialogue is a little weak. It could have been a little bit stronger or this and that. And it's just grabbing those things and agreeing. Even if I disagree, it's good that someone's up and they're not trying to go take over the story. Because there's some people you talk to and they're just like, oh, I would have never done it this way. I would have just done because they think their ideas are better than yours. It's more of a, how can we make your idea the best idea it can be? And those are good editors. Those are good people who you want on your side. Starting out, Travis, what was the best advice that you received? So um, I started out uh, in a book called Government Bodies, which uh, was uh, with a small press. And then my my second book was just, again, another small press. And then I finally got into Image. So I've, I've been in Image. It was in Negative Burns for Desperado. Um, it's a very small, like, backup story anthology. So it's not like I'm a real image writer. I, I just did a, a small part in it. Um, and one of the advice that uh, Joe Pruitt, uh, gave me uh, was he's like you need he's like stick to anthology stories until you understand how to tell a story good in that before you even start an issue so that's why I have so many anthology work and why I keep doing anthologies because if you can tell a page in four store pages if they give you more pages you're going to do that well too so tell the best story the most interactive story that you can in the lowest amount of pages do that instead of going to the next thing and that, that was big advice for me and it was really eye-changing because I always felt like I was doing lesser and like I wasn't meant to but really like the people who can really master short short form storytelling are, are the people who make it. Neil Gaiman lives by that. For every American God you got, you got four, you know, of his short story little books. He believes that telling short stories are so important to be able to tell those big stories right. Uh, this is a question I think a lot of people w would want me to ask. Sure. I'm a new comic writer. I just wrote a script. Maybe I got the first pages back. How do I find an anthology to pitch that to? Ooh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, and it's it's even tougher in our with our fellow creators, right? Because our creators all have our own themed anthologies, you know, whether it be Shakespeare or zombies or post-apocalyptic or, uh, you know, gay and trans issues, whatever the case would be, there's all sorts of different anthologies. So what I always do is write, you know, when you're writing an anthology and if you're writing one, think about how vague of the genre you can be in, meaning can you, is it sci-fi, is it horror, try to get it into one of those categories, because you can always find one in those categories, right? Sci-fi, horror, you're always going to find an anthology that's going on to do the horror. The next thing is, you know, be it, don't be afraid to submit it to multiple 
at the same time, but show them you're willing to do the work. Uh, a good example for me is Cthulhu um, is hard to spell, issue two. Uh, Russell Nolte's did it. Uh, I got rejected from that. I got rejected from that book, but I cared about that story so much that I just did it. I paid for the art and I made it. And I just, because I wanted that book to, that story to come out. And I shared it uh, on a couple of social media posts. And Russell was like, I apologize that I, I rejected that story. That story is exactly what we need. So what I'm saying is just because you got rejected doesn't mean you're rejected. Keep working on your stuff, get it done, get it finished, and it will find a home. There, there's homes for it. I mean, anthologies are great to build relationships with other creators because you get part of like little groups that you get to talk about it and, and share it and boost it. And those relationships are going to help you when you get your real first issue out. How many anthologies have you submitted and been accepted for? So I, I, I probably submitted to over 30 uh, and I've been submitted and I've been accepted to about uh, 10. So, you know, a decent, decent return rate. But again, like, um, and this is, and I want to say this, this is after I've done Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies, after I have a small name, just because you have a name doesn't mean that you fit for the anthology. You know, a lot of people would want me for my name, but not necessarily that it'd be a good fit for the book. So I try to make sure that when I submit stuff, it's really something I'm passionate about I want to write. You have people at various levels, like someone who does an anthology, they may not even have, be a comic creator. They just have an idea for an anthology and they're just getting people together. Like you're pitching to random people. Not everyone's like Russell Dulce's who who actually writes comics and then, then does that on the side. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But don't be afraid to be rejected. Being rejected is part of, part of the game. Uh, you know, I, I'm rejected all the time and it's okay. It doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> I've got a couple rejection letters and I'm sure everybody's seen Jim Lee's rejection letters when he was first starting out trying to get a job at Marvel in DC and he just has a huge stack of rejection letters. Um, a rejection letter, it's great that you get that because and that shows progress because there's also a lot of publishers that I've submitted over that I've never heard any response back at all. I love getting a rejection letter. It means somebody looked this over, somebody's seen it, and at least I'm putting myself out there. Well, I think the people aren't smart about it, right? So let's say I'm trying to get into Marvel, right? I send stuff to them on a regular basis. This is hard for writers because writers can't just blind submission. But uh, let's say you're doing Antarctic Press or Scout and they reject you. Maybe they reject every one of your pitches. Eventually, someone's going to recognize your name and they're going to take it serious and look at it. They're like, why does this guy keep messaging me? What does he have? I think that persistence does something. You know, you also have to have the talent. So don't The talent goes with it, but your persistence matters. And that's why I'm in all these interviews. That's why I'm with Bill right now. It's a Voodoo Nation, for someone who's doing a Kickstarter, uh, and Bill, I'm sure I can tell you this, podcasts don't really boost your Kickstarter that much. You know, you get one or two backers sometimes on a good one, you get five or six, but it's more about continuing to get your name out there because that's what I want. I want someone when they hear my name go, I have to get a book by Travis Skip. And, you know, hopefully this is the one that you want to get, or maybe you'll get Broke Down 4, maybe you get Cthulhu Vades Oz, whatever the case would be. I want you to hear my name. I want you to be a household name, and I want to be part of the conversation. And I definitely sympathize with that, especially. Especially with you doing this podcast, because we've only started doing this since, uh, what, March? Right. So, <laughs> Voodoo Nations is live now on Kickstarter through August 15th. Uh, you can check it out. Just go to kickstarter.com. Look up Voodoo Nations. It'll be the first thing that pops up. We're going to leave the link in the description in the show notes below. Travis, where else can we find you on the net? Uh, yeah, so you can find me, uh, if you look at specifically Voodoo Nation stuff, VoodooNations.com is a thing. Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies is a thing. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jester Lou, J-E-S-T-E-R-L-O-U. 
Um, and then just search my name on Facebook. I'm the first guy who comes up because I'm very, very active in the community. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. Hey, well, Travis, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to chat with us. Uh, thank you, Bill, for uh, having me on, man. I appreciate it. I, I love what you do. I love what you create. I'm glad uh, I'm glad to have be on here with you. And thank you so much for uh, you know taking the time. If you know a creator that makes comic books or any other media and think they'd be a good fit for the show, drop us a line at underthemaskshow at gmail.com. You've been listening to the Under the Mask podcast with Bill Colomb. Welcome to the family. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you found the right podcast for you. Thanks for listening, and make sure to like or leave a review, and we'd appreciate it if you'd tell a friend or two. To reach out, visit us at underthemaskpodcast.com. This has been a presentation of Why Comics. Till next time, this is the Under the Mask Podcast, signing off.